Ladies and gentlemen, college basketball lovers all around the world. It's Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. The State Farm Champions Classic. We even had Washington State tipping off the day against Alcorn State. We don't care. Let the fighting Steve McNairs have a chance. At noon local time. Uh, just take a guess at how many people are probably in that arena right now. I'm sure it was packed. In our hearts, <laughs> it was packed. Whatever that place holds, you know, 12,700. I don't know what the name of the gym is there up in Pullman, Washington, but I'm sure it was great. I'm Timmy Hall. That's evil bald Colin. Yes, like a good boy donning the Butler Bulldogs basketball hoodie. It's good to talk to you, man. Something's just in the air. It just felt different today. It feels like college basketball has arrived because finally it has. Well, it feels different because you can watch games starting by the time you get off work, wherever you are, until the end of the night around 1130 midnight tonight. Maybe even later than that if you talk about the West Coast games. But no, Tim, yes, it's a great day. It's one of the best days of the year for college basketball. Obviously, we talk about this day. We talk about that stretch during Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, right before they head to Christmas break, there's always a good stretch of games with like the CBS Sports Classic and whatnot. And then you dive into conference play on the back end all the way down to the rush to the conference tournaments. I, I, yes, this is one of the best days of the year in terms of the sport. All right, so we're going to have a – we're not going to do like an hour or an hour and a half here because we've got uh, we've got a lot of things to actually get to as far as what the future holds for us for – guys that we're going to have on this podcast later on this season, and we've we've got to get to our jobs today. That's that's really the important thing. We've got Buckeye basketball that we've got to get to, and in our world, they tip off a little bit earlier as, you know, we're celebrating the whole day in college basketball, so you got games tipping off all the live long day, culminating with the Champions Classic where they're even going to tuck the college football playoff updated ranking show in between games, isn't this where they have Herbie out there and Reese Davis? They sit there at the halftime, yeah, well, and Jay Billis gets to have some football takes. I, hey, I what thought do you think? it was going to be halftime, but then I saw the uh, Kansas in between games, Michigan right? Game. Well, possibly. I, I know that game starts at seven o'clock, so that's usually when the rankings come out. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but yes, usually they got Herbie and a bunch of guys on set, and they kind of do that in between a halftime or something like that. So final four picks are going to be coming up here, and we're going to take a look at some of our other big picture observations on the season that lies ahead. The 2021-2022 college basketball season is tipping off. It will end in New Orleans with the final four. Some lucky squad is going to cut the nets down in early April and hoist up a national championship trophy and cut them down, and it's going to be fantastic. So sit right there, nestle in. It's Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 Sapped it in, Jerome! Is March Madness. Yes, it is. And man, I am just dying to hear your final four picks. If you follow Evil Bald Colin on Twitter, as you should, you may have had a sneak preview at them. 
And he's also giving winners for all of the major conferences in college basketball. That's something new. I can't wait to hear all of those. It's man. funny because actually the one I forgot to post is the American, but I think it's pretty clearly that Memphis is the team to beat in that conference. So it, it would have been Memphis had I put them, but no, yeah, it, it's a great time of the year to put out your predictions and then ultimately look back at it in March and look at how stupid you were when you selected who you selected. Well, I am going to nitpick at your final four like we did last year as well, because you don't seem to see play. You don't seem to be playing by those rules that I have established in my head for how to pick these final fours. Well, so here's the thing. Let's I jump think, right into it. Let's jump the, right into it. I think it. the last team in this could qualify. I think they're just ranked a lot higher than they probably should be to start the season. Okay. I, I think the last team on this list is a team that's going to finish around third or fourth in their conference. But it's got the makeup to do what they did last year, which was give a team like Baylor or an athletic team a lot of trouble in the in the postseason and really make a run on it. All right, so let's let's go. Let's yeah, get the so bi- let's get the I, big I think dogs the out of it. Big let's dogs. go one by one, one by one. I, I think it's just hard to really ignore what Gonzaga and UCLA are bringing to the table this year. Uh, just the additions that Gonzaga's made, while they still lack athleticism, which is going to hurt them. Come postseason time, I still think you have to go with what the talent presents itself when you're adding guys like Chet Holmgren. You still have Nemhard in the fold. Drew Timmy's still there. Uh, you add five-star guard Hunter Silas to the, the to the group. They have a really good recruiting class. Like This is a team from beginning to end. And you also bring back contributors like Anton Watson. This is a much deeper team than I think it was last year, but it's maybe not as skilled at the very top, which is going to be very interesting to watch this year. And then obviously with UCLA, you can debate whether that was a fluke run or not. I mean, clearly they were uh, f- first four team or w- whatever they call that. The first four, uh, they beat Michigan State, yeah, make that four. run. And you can question whether there's real validity to it. But just looking at the roster, I think there's a lot to it. And then you add a five-star guy like Peyton Watson. Uh, you also add the big man from Rutgers who had a really good year. We know him pretty well in Miles Johnson. Like there's just so much to that team. That's really hard to deny that they're a final four quality team. So I'm going to start mine off again. Like, so so you're going right off the top. And and by the way, Gonzaga is number one in the AP poll preseason poll. They got 55 votes. The only other team that got first place votes that is UCLA. So you were going with, just typical evil bald Colin chalk right there Zags and UCLA and hey they're both in the final four last year they're both in the final game last year and I it think was, I think they will oh, wait, meet. I'm sorry no they weren't in the final they game the of course because the, my whole thing my yes. whole uh my whole season was built upon the fact that Gonzaga would not win the national championship I didn't have them making the final four they did that but they couldn't go undefeated and do the unthinkable Baylor really just smacked them in that last game but the Gonzaga UCLA game that's the one that everybody remembers. Yeah, there, there was a team that I was debating here. Actually, I was debating two different teams to swap out for one of those two. But I, just at the end of the day, I really couldn't do it because I trust t- too much of what Gonzaga and UCLA bring to the table. And that's Villanova and Texas. Villanova is very senior laden. They have Colin Gillespie back. Uh, a lot of those guys return to the team. It's a, a, most, I think four of the five starters return this season for Villanova. And then you've got a Texas team that's bringing a lot of transfers. We've all obviously heard the name Marcus Carr before. What are they going to bring to the table in terms of they've played, they've been really good players, but they played on bad teams. How are they all going to come together and produce a really good team for Chris Beard? So those are two teams that are really worth considering, but I just don't know if I can trust them to make a run. So you're going to start off with the Zags and UCLA. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go chalk to start. You have, you have to right? and you're doing final four picks. You got to have some chalk. 
I'll, I'll explain what my rules are when I do my, my final four picks in the preseason again, but it's going to begin with the Kansas Jayhawks and maybe that's a Homer pick, but I also feel like Kansas is simply due. They really are. I think this, the, the challenge that has been presented to them in the big 12 is something that's going to give this team a little bit more of the edge that they might have been missing when they made that turn from big 12 season into their conference tournament into the big dance. I honestly wonder like when you're winning 15 straight conference championships, if something gets in your head mentally where you aren't going all for it the way that you need to. And now that you've seen Baylor come up and win a national championship, now that you've seen Texas, like one of your teams with Chris Beard, who is this Mm -hmm. awesome coach that showed us what he could do at Texas Tech, right? Getting all the way to the final game, giving UVA a serious run for their money and just a, a classic national championship. I think all that talent in the Big 12 is something that's finally going to reinvigorate. Not like they've been in the depths, but you know what I'm talking about. Kansas, and I will say this, while because I went to school there and I paid them my own money to go there to be somewhere where I could do the sports broadcasting thing and sit at Allen Fieldhouse and, and call the games, which I don't think is a bad experience, by the way. If you're looking for somewhere cheap to go to school and get that sports broadcasting experience, it's, it's right up there. I know Syracuse and the new house school of journalism gets all that <laughs> love, but KU is not a bad spot. I will say they have been, for the most part, way overhyped and way overrated as far as all the blue bloods go. I mean, to have only three national championships going back to the 1950s and to have the power and the establishment that they have, they've got to do more work. So again, I'm not my question making the national championship yes. pick right here, but I will lay them on the table as my first final four pick here on the podcast. My question to you is, is and I've, I've been hearing a lot of this in the preseason is there's been kind of a little bit of, I wouldn't say sparring, but there's been a little bit of, you know, disagreements on the way to play the game in terms of what Remy Martin believes he can do and what Bill Self wants him to be in this offense. And I I think, Hey, I think it's overblown. I think he's going to be fine. He's a tremendous player. You're going to have to deal with it. They'll make it work. He's going to be glad to find himself in Kansas. The dude's got the hair. He's got the flair. He's getting NIL deals. He's got a name like a fine French cognac, a wonderful drink. So it's all going to be good. Well, with Remy Martin being the elder classman and being a guy that I, I believe was picked to be the preseason player of the year in the Big 12, you add him to a group of guys like Abaji, uh, Wilson. You got David McCormick there. Uh, Christian Braun is still there. You got a lot of different guys there, and Martin's really known to be a volume shooter. I just really want to think and see eventually how is he going to mix his style, or will he adjust to how Bill Self wants them to play? The thing that is kind of shocking with Kansas basketball right now is bringing in those transfers, bringing in those high-scoring transfers, and they're not alone, right? I mean, Jalen Wilson being the young stud last year who was great as a true freshman, and they got him back, and he needs to grow – I think he was a a redshirt freshman last year. Now he's going to be a redshirt sophomore. And which of the freshmen that they bring in are going to be the ones that really elevate their team? Because you do have, you know, Wilson, Abaji, David McCormick, their big guy. And I totally forgot they brought in that that guy that really led Drake. If you watched him closely in the NCAA tournament. they have the Drake transfer. Uh, Joseph Yusefu. Yep. Yeah, Joseph Yusefu is there for the Jayhawks as well. So I'm looking at him to be something big for KU as well. I am going to go 
with uh, another homer chalk pick, but it's one that definitely has the ability to blow up in your face because of what they weren't able to do last year and they fell apart at the end. But I'm going to go with Coach K and Duke for his final season in college basketball. So Kansas and Duke, I mean, you really can't get more blue blood than that, but it's going to, I promise you, my next two are going to thin out and they're going to go away from that sort of concept. Yeah, so Duke's a really interesting one because you all, we've talked about Paolo Bancaro so far this year. It's Bancaro. We'll find out tonight. It's Bancaro, Banchero. I've, I don't know. I've heard said it both ways, but that's a guy that could easily win Player of the Year, not just Freshman of the Year. Like he, he's a right. Smith quality type of player. Uh, they got a lot of freshmen. They got this uh, big guy coming in, Trevor Keels, who's a pretty decent player. We like Keels. <laughs> that, yeah. we, that we do. But no, this is going to be a really interesting team because it's going to be a mixture of young and old because you got you still got Wendell there. Uh, I'm really curious to see if this is a type of player in Bancaro. Can he carry this Duke team? Because I think they will need that focal guy. That's what they missed last year. They tried to turn to guys like Matthew Hurt to be that type of player. Uh, Jalen Johnson, before he bowed out and left the team, they just didn't have that guy last year that could really carry them. And I wonder if Bancaro can be that person. All right. So let me hear you go on with your final four. You started off with Gonzaga. In UCLA, what's the number three team? Yeah, this one kind of pains me a little bit, but I really, really love Jawan Howard's team out there in Michigan because I, I think they have everything that you look for in terms of trying to diagnose a team that can make a run in the NCAA tournament. Yes. And it's basically guard play. Devontae Jones, the transfer in from Coastal Carolina, was a really good player. You always got to wonder how these players are going to transfer in or transfer their production from a conference like that, which I believe is a Sun Belt, up to the Big Ten. How is that going to work? Uh Typically, we've seen it go both ways. I do believe Devontae Jones's shooting ability really presents himself an opportunity to really translate well. Uh, you also still got Eli Brooks, Hunter Dickinson. Uh, a lot of these young guys that haven't had a chance yet that were four or five stars the class par- prior, like Zeb Jackson uh, from Ohio. And then you got five stars in this current class who clearly could be the number one player as a freshman and Caleb Houston, the forward, who's going to be a really good player if he can really put it all together right away. This is a team that might take a little bit of time to get up to that level, but I think come tournament time, they will be a team you don't want to see. Yeah, Jawan Howard has, I think, really blown a lot of people away with how good he's been. I mean, when you looked at the Well, fa- it's the recruiting, when, just well, how he's dominated recruiting so fast. I think he's a tremendous coach all the same, too. I mean, we, we talk about guys who are maybe a little bit more recruiters than they are in-game coaches, but... I think he's he's shown us a little bit of uh, of both and what he can do. And I mean, to to go through the meat grinder, the Big Ten and to win the games at the rate that he's winning him. I know you, you're going to ultimately say what you're going to say about not making it to the final four, not winning in the NCAA tournament. That is this mystical problem all around the Big Ten that nobody can quite figure it out. But you're still comfortable going with Michigan. I I will be comfortable going with the uh, Purdue Boilermakers in their stead. I'm not. See, that's the thing. I, I'm not, to, that goes back to your previous point. I'm not making the pick there because <laughs> I I have a rule and I can't go with a third preseason top ten. But oh, I, I'm just saying, if I was tossing up between Michigan and Purdue, I would probably have the but Boilers that's the with the issue edge. Right is now. I think Purdue and Painter himself kind of fit into that mantra of the Big Ten struggling in the tournament. It always seems like he's got a really good team going in, and then it does not matter. They run it into. It does, I know, but that's the whole conference. And so I look at Purdue, and it's just been so long for them. You got to go back to like 1980, basically when my dad was leaving Purdue. With Joe Barry Carroll and those dudes, the last time they made a Final Four run, I, they might have lost to UCLA in the Final Four. 
I think was the last time that they were there. So it's well, it's insane. Carson Edwards looked like they were absolutely going to slam dunk it into the final four. And then that was, I want to say, uh, Diakite with that wild yes, jump shot that right. went in at the end for Virginia that forced the OT. And then we know how that ended. Virginia won the title that year. My only question with Purdue is guard play past Jaden Ivey because it's still, there's not really a guy that stands out as a go-to score in the guard play area outside of him. I mean, you've got Sasha Stefanovic. You're still a good three-point threat. Obviously, you need that in your type of roster. But like guys like Eric Hunter, are they going to step up and help out? Because the fr- the front court's going to be really good for this Purdue team. To, to the point, you have Travion Williams probably coming off the bench to start the season. It sounds like they go with it's e- crazy. It sounds yeah. like they're going to go with Edie, and then this freshman Caleb first. Yeah. who are going to be their Who's front court guys. Going to be pretty good. Oh yeah, I think I think when you look at what this Caleb first dude brings them with the size and the muscle. Oh my goodness. And and the fact that they're going to start him and he played, he checked all the boxes in their exhibition game. But again, like we can say, we can, we can make up a lot of things based on exhibition performances and we don't want to do too much. Of and that they year. were just like just Kentucky, saying what he they, brings you. They kind of struggled in their exhibition game, just like Kentucky did. So people right. are kind of like, what's going on here? But I still think you go, well, don't, don't look at it too much. And, and Purdue is a team that's so veteran right yes first they're not asking for him to be and I don't even think Michigan is asking Caleb Houston to be that guy that owns the club it'd be more like what Duke is going to ask Paolo to do Purdue is not asking Caleb first to do that no because they've got, got their guys in Jaden Ivey and Travion because Williams you got your guys off the I, bench I, yeah <laughs> I, which is crazy to say but I trust the supporting cast of Purdue more than I would uh Duke with the guys that surround Paolo, but still a talented team in themselves is Duke. I just think personally, Purdue has a better overall roster. What, you know, we always, I always come to this every single year on the podcast. And uh, I, I don't want to be the guy that picks Ohio state, you know, (laughs) for, for the final four on the Buckeye slanted podcast. That's fair. But Another part of me says, who gives a flip if I am really starting to feel it in my heart here? They're ranked 17, so I usually look for another team that's ranked for my third pick, and then for my my final final four pick, I go out of the top 25 completely and pick some kind of dark horse that could either get hot, that could have a newcomer, or just have a really, really good player at the top to make a deep run into the NCAA tournament and to catch people off guard. I am going to go. I'm actually I'm actually pulling a pivot here as we are speaking. Okay. Do you know want to know what the other team that I had in mind was? I was going to go with the Tennessee Volunteers. That's funny. I was going to go with Tennessee, mm. but I want to change it right here on the fly and actually do something that I've been standoffish about doing. But damn it, I really do think Ohio State is a team with a Final Four ceiling. They have to prove it along the way. It's going to come down to some health with some of their key guys and Justice Suing and Kyle Young. I think they need both of those guys to reach that. But they've also got these other two young tools in Michi Johnson and Malachi Branham that I think are going to be critical for them as they grow. And that's going to pace the Buckeyes. And they got all these other spiderweb guys throughout the way. And you know them. We know them. Zed Key. They've got... Justin Arns, who can hit shots from the outside and get hot. He can go extremely cold, but he extremely cold, but he can get hot too. And some people think EJ Liddell is a top five player in America right now, and I just think it's awesome to see because I think he's every bit that good. 
Yeah, I, I'm okay with either pick, honestly, if you're trying to take that shot in the dark. Uh, Ohio State's going to be whether they can stay healthy and how are, how are they going to be in terms of the backcourt shooting the ball? Is Cedric Russell going to be able to translate what he was doing down at Louisiana to this backcourt? Uh, what are you going to get from Ichi Johnson? Jimmy Sotos, how much is he going to contribute? And then Jamari Wheeler, for as good as he is defensively, how much is he going to give you on the offensive side of the ball? That's going to be a big question with that backcourt. And then the frontcourt, it's really just a, it's health. How is Joey Brunk going to be able to contribute this year? When are you going to get Seth Towns back? And then how often can you really count on Kyle Young being in your lineup? That's just, as the season goes along, it's going to be a question. Well, as we're recording on opening night here, he's a game-time decision, and he has a vestibular dysfunction, which sounds awful, but they seem to think that it's going to be fine and that he can be on meds, and it's a it's a vertigo dizziness type of thing, and it, it had to come from his concussions. They didn't say that, but... Where else could something like this stem from? A guy that got concussed twice in, what was it, a two-and-a-half-week span late in the Big Ten season last year? And it cost him. It cost him. One of the other best players in the country who's back, Oral Roberts. Look out for those dudes again with Max Asmus. He is a sensational player, and the Buckeyes just couldn't handle it because the other dude, Kevin O'Banner, showed up to play as well. Who was actually kind of on my radar for that outside top 25 team. All right, so... We've heard three of yours. Yes. Your fourth pick now. So this one was, I was thinking it was going to be off the radar, but then I realized they're still in the top 20 in rankings, which was number 16, which was kind of weird to me because I didn't really view them as a top 25 team to start off, but just maybe because it's how much of turnover they have. And I think they're going to have three transfers starting in their uh, opening night lineup. And that's going to be the Arkansas Razorbacks. I, I just really trust what Musselman's doing down there. He's getting guys that fit his system. And he's going wherever he can in the portal to find them. Uh, Chris Lice, the transfer from Miami, Florida. If you watch Arkansas this year, watch this kid. He's five foot seven. He's a little, he's a little speedster. He runs around, gets a little hand dribble handoffs, gets to the basket really well. He averaged not about, quite Muggsy Bogues short, but no, that's down there. But he, but he's down there. Yeah, he he's down about, there. He averaged about fifteen points a game for Miami. A really good point guard and really what they needed. Uh, because then they'll have J.D. Note probably coming off the bench, which was what he was doing last year. It was a really good role for him. Uh, they got a transfer in from South Dakota, who I, I've been telling you about for months at this rate, because I watched South Dakota in that Summit League tournament, and at Stanley Umud, I think it's Umud, U-M-U-D-E. Yeah, I think it's Umud. But this, right. is, this is a 21.5 points per game guy. He's a guard slash forward. What he's going to do, he's going hmm. to fill that Moses Moody role, which is what they were going to miss the most once Moody decided to go to the draft. What is with these great... dudes from the Dakotas? Remember Mike Man. Dom up there they just, for they just South Dakota that, State? They the get Jack guys Rabbits, that can shoot. Right? They can shoot, and he averages about seven rebounds a game. He's going to be really good in that aspect. And then a guy, it seems like Pitt can never win, but they have guys that can score really well and then transfer after. And that's Adis uh, Tony, who averaged about 14.4 points a game. He's a senior, uh, like I said, from Pitt. A lot of transfers on this roster. I think six different guys who transferred in this offseason Really went that route over the freshman class. I, I think they have the athleticism and the way they play defense can match up with teams like a Gonzaga, like a UCLA. I think that Havoc style that Musselman really wants to play, he found a core of guys that can play it, and he's got a deep bench to play it with. Does that not concern you at all, all of those transfers? I mean, I know. It, and it's, it can. It can. It, I say that. And I, I look at Kansas, too, who I, I threw in my final four, and they are a team that has gone into the transfer, transfer portal more than they ever had. So it is something that is starting to infiltrate college basketball. I'm just – it's one of the, the key observations I'm seeing that now some of the high majors 
are really starting to tap into that at a higher clip. Mm-hmm. Everyone's starting to subscribe to that old wins in college basketball. I, I kind of think, I kind of think it's going to breed more to the positive side than the negative, and it's going to create better competition later in the tournament as well. And it's going to put more teams in the fight here near the no, end. No, I completely agree with you when, when I'm saying that the guys he's bringing in, likes, is a redshirt senior transfer. Tony's a senior. Umud's a, se- a redshirt senior. Like he's getting older guys that have really shown that they are an established type of player. And they fit his system, and they can come in and play right away. I think, again, this could completely fall apart. This could be a team that finishes outside the top three of the SEC, let alone making a run in the NCAA tournament. I thought it would be a shot in the dark. They're still ranked 16th. So the AP poll is at least smart enough, in my opinion, to know this is still a team that can compete with anybody in the nation. Yeah, and I was had Kansas's page up there and the four guys that they bring in, and one of them is a interesting Division II play, Cam Martin, this kid who had – uh, numbers of 25 and nine re 25 points per game, nine rebounds per game at the division two level. And they got Jalen Coleman lands from Iowa state. He's a senior. You mentioned Remy. He's a senior and yes, uh, Yasufu. He is a junior. So they're all upperclassmen transfers. They're not any of these, uh, you know, red shirt freshmen or sophomores who were in a program for like two minutes and then decided to dip out of there. And they still got a lot of growing to do. They've essentially already groomed themselves as basketball players, and now they're looking for a better shot. And when some of these, you know, blue bloods come looking for you and they can say, hey, like we're pretty much guaranteed to get into the tournament. Now it's going to be up to you guys and how much you want to gel and cohesiveness, chemistry. That's almost what it's becoming now is which coaches and which programs can become the best at liking each other. As As funny as that sounds. Do I like you? Do you like me? That's great. We can get along and we can have a great season because of it. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing. And I think we'll see it when we play Kentucky later on in December, because that's another team that had a lot of chancellors in. Um, you got Oscar Sheboy coming in from uh, West Virginia. Oh, yeah, Sheboy, uh, yeah. Kellen Grady, who was a really good player out of the A-10 from Davidson, is also going to be a guy who's, and I've heard it in the preseason, he was shooting like 8% from three during the preseason and really had to barrow down and get used to playing with the new guys he was with improved it during the preseason going up to uh, the first game of the season, but it kind of contributed to that game against Mills college where they were down at, a, at halftime and some of the second half to a division two team. Like you're still working through it as a team that has so many different guys. Uh, the freshman Ty Ty Washington coming in, who's going to be a big part of that Kentucky team. You, you kind of saw a glimpse of that team as with all those transfers and some good freshmen how it can kind of be a little shaky at the beginning, but it's really just going to be depending on who are you going to bet on that's going to pull it together come March. So you ready for my final final four squad? Let's do it. Let's let's recap, okay? We've done a lot of previewing here, and we've hit on a lot of different teams, and it's been good. You have got off the top number one and number two teams in the country, yeah. UCLA and the Zags. Then you went down a little bit to the number like six or seven spot, Michigan Wolverines. Yes. Finish it off with the number 16 team in America, Arkansas. All right. Shame on you. You didn't even go outside the top 25. <laughs> I will say Here, I, a team I really like outside the top 25 and we'll see them in about don't a couple say weeks. I don't want you to say the name yet. Okay. I just don't want you to say the name yet. That's fair. But you said we'll see them in a couple weeks. So I know it's not the team because I assume you're referring to Ohio State. So just right. Yes. Yes. You're referring it, to Ohio State. So who are you talking who about? They will be seeing. They'll be seeing Xavier. I think Xavier. that's a team that's really, ah, especially with Paul okay. Scruggs. They just had a, a big injury. Well, Zach Fremantle is going to be out until I, I believe maybe the end of the month, start of December. 
But again, once okay, you, you're once right. You get, I, that's you, that's an okay timeline. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a season ending type of thing. But, and you need to be strong in January, February, March. That's no, all that that's, matters. That's a guy that's in contention for Big East Player of the Year, which sure. is a big honor because you're battling guys like Colin Gillespie and whatnot. All right. uh, no, Xavier's a really good pick. All right, so this uh, this team got a, an interesting family kind of transfer incoming. I don't know what exactly the uh, the ultimate impact is going to be, if at all. But this is a team that is used to winning. Really right around 20 games. That's about it. They're kind of every year leak their way to about the 20 win plateau. They sneak in and they just make runs, baby. They make runs. And they went to a final four here in the last six or seven years following this exact same script. They're an ACC program. Do you have any clue who I'm talking about right now? All the hubbub in college basketball is going to be about this guy's friend, Making his victory lap, making his retirement tour. Well, the last they wear the color orange. You're not talking about Virginia. The Syracuse. Syracuse. Orange. Wow. Syracuse, baby. You know I like that because I'm a real big fan Buddy of Buddy Bayheim. Yeah, I'm a real big fan of him. He could go off for forty, possibly fifty, when he gets hot. And they've got an outstanding freshman too. They've got Kennedy Chandler. Mm-hmm. I'm no 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 I'm sorry I'm getting my I'm getting my oranges mixed up now I was talking about Kennedy Tennessee. Chandler's gonna be a Tennessee guy Kennedy yeah. Chandler is a Tennessee guy yeah because I was I, we were talking about the Vols just a while ago no Syracuse doesn't really have that pop off the page stud freshman but they do have Buddy and they do have that ability and I think that the talk around Syracuse the talk around the town there is that they think they're going to be a little bit better, that they're not going to be just sneaking into the NCAA tournament this time. So if you can get in and God forbid you get in comfortably, I am always willing to roll the dice on Jim Beheim. the style that they play, the defense that they throw at you for whatever reason, it's only good enough to, it's only good enough to get to, you know, the sixth spot, maybe the fifth spot in the ACC because teams know it so well, but in the tournament, it just works. It gives teams fits and it allows them to advance. And I think they're just going to be much, much better offensively this year is going to be the main thing. My main point of emphasis with them. Yeah. I actually kind of like that a lot. It's always going to depend on Syracuse is a, is a team that relies on deep three point shooting. And with Bayheim, you're always going to have that possibility of really having a blow up game or two, especially come a tournament time, a guy that can really carry a team on his back and that's one of the things you look for when you're looking for a team that's going to make a run is a guy who can really carry a team for five, six games. Uh, I personally love the pick. I wish I would have thought of it beforehand. Uh, oh, be- you know who they got? They got uh, Swider from Villanova. Okay. It's going to be an interesting play okay. for them. Cole Swider, remember, he's like 6'9", mm-hmm. 6'10". He was behind Jeremiah Robinson Earl, as was everybody, right, if you're a big guy for Villanova. Joe Girard is back for them. They lost a lot of guys, but as long as you got Buddy Bayheim and as long as you replenish the roster and you, Jim Bayheim is your coach, I mean, he's just been there. It, it's funny because we all the, I mean, uh, rightfully so, all the talk is about Coach K because he's won the national championships, but I still find it interesting how Buddy, uh, how Jim Bayheim has just been sitting there as the coach of Syracuse. I mean, he's got to be going into what is 43rd or 44th year. It's just, it's absurd how long he's been there. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I don't know why he's still doing it. It's because the Suns are playing right now. You'd think maybe when the Suns are done also kind of creepy that a guy that old has sons that are playing college basketball, but Hey, more power to him. 
No, I keep popping the babies out, huh? No, I love it for his sake. Uh, Yeah, no, Syracuse (laughs) is a great outside of top twenty-five team. Uh, Personally, I think you could have gone with Indiana, although I don't know how all those pieces are going to fit together right now. Uh, Team off the radar that I really like that's going to win the Mountain West, in my opinion, is Colorado State with David Roddy Jr. and Isaiah Stevens leading that mix. I don't know if they're really a team that can press for a Final Four, but they're a team that I could see being a second weekend type of team. Uh, I love Belmont, but that's a team, again, that's probably only fit for their second weekend. No, I think if you're going outside the top 25, that's probably the best that I can see right now. USC could be in the mix, obviously, with Isaiah Mobley still there. Uh, But, yeah, that's a really good pick. Any other big observations? Any other big observations from you about uh, this season? What what did I just get like audio from something right there? I don't know. Your PC must have been PC on. PC was just chirping right there. I'm, I'm messing around ESPN.com's college basketball pages. It was trying to throw an, uh, an advertisement in with me. But we've got Kansas and Michigan State. Yes. We've got Duke and Kentucky. It's the Champions Classic. Just saw that that was renewed. We did look back at that. This, this thing's been going on for 12-plus years. It's been the same teams. They've done the uh, the games on uh, aircraft carriers. They've done them in airplane hangars. It's going to go to Indianapolis next year, and then it's renewed a little bit beyond that, so it's going to start to move around a little bit more. They're having it at the Garden, as is the uh, the norm, as is the usual. Any other big things you are looking at as we are set to throw yeah, the ball in the I air? think my biggest question going into this year is how real is Memphis going to be? I, I think adding guys like Imani Bates and Jalen Durant to that roster, you're getting – unquestionably two of the best freshman players within the last, I would say five to 10 years yeah. in terms of just what they produced at the high school level. Let's in the go AAU Penny. Circuit. But what is Penny going to do with them? It, uh, he's got to win at least the, the American. If you don't win the American, in my opinion, it's a complete failure. And then what is he going to do when it comes tournament time? I, I think it's always a question of how are freshmen going to respond when you get into put into a spot in the NCAA tournament on those weekends where you've got big crowds rooting probably against you because they don't like uh, for some reason, players that rise to fame really quick, they like to take the teams that are senior-led and uh, aren't coached under Penny Hardaway and all the allegations against him with paying players or whatnot. But I- I'm really curious to see how is Memphis going to meet the expectations of those two players. Well, you still got Houston to deal with, too, which makes that quite a league. Yeah, right? Houston's an interesting team. I mean, you always got to trust Calvin Sampson and what he's doing there. Wichita State as well. Wichita State's an interesting team. Marcus Sasser, I believe, is going to be the guy that's going to lead Houston. Uh, but yeah, I still think this is Memphis's league to lose and, or, and if they do lose it, it's kind of shame on them. Well, I can't believe we're here. We have done it. We made it through the entire off season Tuesday, November 9th. This is it. College basketball gets going and this will be our dear friend until the month of April. It's amazing. It's the best think time of, of year. Think of how much is going to change between now and the month of April in mean, a season's going to change. Everything will we'll pass into a new year. Unreal, right? It's the same cycle every year, baby. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, it's so exciting. It starts tonight. <laughs> I hope you guys are excited as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Please, if you're liking what you're hearing, give it a little five-star rating. Leave us a nice review. Tell your other buddies that are really into college basketball to check this thing out here. We're trying to spread it around. We're going to have some exciting guests coming up this year as well. So be on the lookout for that. And we will see you guys next time on Mad About Hoops.